The MLS playoff field is set on Sunday night. Sam Stasekel and Jeff Reuter joined me for a live rundown of what happened on Decision Day and the matchups to watch in the upcoming MLS playoffs. I'm Alex Abnos, and this is Soccer Every Day for Monday, October 10th. Hello. <laughs> uh, this is Alex Adnos. Uh, we're going live here on The Athletic for sort of a live edition of Soccer Every Day. I have with me here Sam Stasekel and Jeff Reuter. Jeff Reuter is obviously on site at Allianz Field in St. Paul uh, for Minnesota United's 2-0 win over the Vancouver Whitecaps. One of several interesting results here on MLS Decision Day. Uh, Sam, you are in a slightly quieter environment <laughs> i would assume at at, at home than, than jeff is uh how are you doing what are your initial you know, thoughts that, that was actually uh, on the on this muted. decision day <laughs> i was just playing a live version of wonderwall really loud in my apartment no um i mean my my current thoughts are are about real salt lake because i just finished watching that game 3-1 victory over the portland timbers to get into the playoffs for rso and knock the timbers out um uh, no good very bad week for portland got a little bit worse um, and RSL, a team that snuck in on decision day last year and made a run to the Western Conference final while not having an owner, um, does it again this year. They have an owner now, but I've, they have a lower payroll than they did last year in terms of their overall rank in the league. They lost Albert Ruzanak this winter, didn't have Demir Krylak or Bobby Wood basically all season, and now they're back in. And Alex, they looked really good today. Yeah, they did. They really did. Uh, I mean, a pretty dominant 3-0 win over uh, over the Timbers. Um, John Champion. So, sorry, 3-1. That's, that's right. They they, yes. they added the yes. they added the late one there at the end. Uh, and they are going to end up with a pretty interesting uh, match in the playoffs against Austin. Uh, pr- part of what we're going to do on this show is sort of run through the playoff matchups. Uh, as we see them, we're not going to go too in-depth into actually what happened on decision day because, frankly, I don't think all of us have seen everything that happened on decision day yet. Um, and the playoff matchups offer quite a bit in terms of just interesting uh, narratives and tactical clashes, things like that. So Rail Salt Lake, who you just mentioned, Sam, they will be facing Austin FC in the two versus seven in the in the first round. Austin FC will be hosting that game at Q2 Stadium. Um, do you think that Rail Salt Lake, which has really struggled in the back half of the season to get a win up until this very convincing one against Portland, do you think they have what it takes to go to Austin and uh, get a result in the playoffs? I mean, probably not, but this is one of those weird things in the playoffs. You know, I, I, remember, I think back to, geez, I guess it would have been 2018, right? When they went to LAFC That's and right. beat them 3-2, to two, I believe, while registering two shots on goal. Um, you know, also a new expansion team, LAFC, high-profile, high-powered high attack, playing their first playoff game in that one. So who knows, maybe history will repeat itself in that way. Um, I mean, personally, I, I think Austin will win that game. Um, but stranger things would have happened. Um, and RSL played really well today. So so we'll see. I'm curious to, to get Jeff's thoughts. You know, Minnesota had a must win as well up there at home at Allianz Field. Jeff, I don't know if, you, if you're still with us or if you're, if you're here. I am. But, but how did the Loons look this afternoon? I was I was locked in on that game on ESPN2. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, to them, it's it's the first time in seven games, six games that they've won. Um, it's been a really, really difficult close of the season for Minnesota United after losing Bakai Debasi, their left-footed center back. 
um, who was by far the team's best defender of the year. Um, really, really were struggling to keep games close and to, to actually get results for a long portion of the home stretch here. So I, I think that it's a win that comes at obviously the right time. You need to win the last game of the year uh, when you're at this kind of win and you're in sort of place in the year. But I think for them, it also will bring some confidence. I think FC Dallas is a team that they'll look at. Um, and, you know, they've, they've matched up fairly well historically against Dallas. They've, they've had some some really tough days in Dallas, um, some some really KG one zeros, but they've also kept it closer in recent years. So I, I think that they'll be pretty happy with that press conference. I'll head down shortly to hear from Adrian Heath and a couple of the players and see if you guys are still cooking. Um, but, yeah, I think for them, they'll, they'll be happy with that. To, to touch on RSL versus Portland, I think it's, it's shaping up to be a, a seismic off season now for the Timbers, you know, after missing the playoffs, there's there's a whole other kind of dossier of questions that you're going to be asking in terms of the roster with Gavin Wilkinson, of course, not being uh, involved with the club moving forward. So, uh, yeah, there's going to be a little bit of turmoil there in the West. I think that, you know, obviously it's another postseason. It's the first postseason since 2008. Alex, maybe you'll know this better than me, that Kansas City and Seattle have both missed so uh, the, the conference will look very different um, than past years, certainly, uh, even with the Galaxy stepping back in. How's it going? Congratulations. Uh, that was uh, Mark Watson uh, just walked by. But, um, yeah, it's a big, big year. Uh, big year for a couple of teams here. I think for Nashville, navigating would have been a very difficult part of the season for them in the middle of the year. And turning some of those draws into wins has been crucial for them. So, um, yeah, Sam, who else, who else stands out to you from today? Um, you know, we have Matt Kay in the comments section making a comment about FC Cincinnati making the playoffs and crew missing out. And, and those are the two in the East that really stood out to me today, I think. Uh, FC Cincinnati putting up a five spot on DC United. Of course, you know, we probably shouldn't read too much into that given the state of DC United. Um, but the crew blowing another lead to go down in Orlando, two to one, late goal penalty for Facundo Torres to get the win there for Orlando, knock the crew out, get Orlando in. The crew dropped 24 points from winning positions this season, 11 of which were in stoppage time. Um, An astounding number. Just just absolutely out, like, as I think I put in, uh, in our conversation, Sam, while we were talking about this, you have that number. Give them 12 points where, you know, where they yeah. didn't have them before. And they easily have a home game in these playoffs uh, with, you know, a pretty decent roster and a brand new stadium and a raucous home crowd. And instead, they're not doing anything. They're not playing any games at all. It's, it's absolutely insane. Yeah, no, it's totally wild. Um, so those are the two that really stood out to me from the east, eastern side. Um, and for the crew in particular, I, I just wonder what this means for Caleb Porter. You know, he has now missed the playoffs in three of four years in Columbus. The one year that they made it, 2020, COVID year. They obviously went on to win MLS Cubs. So that's a nice feather in the cap. Um, but the Haslam's are an ownership group that's super ambitious. They've built a fabulous stadium in downtown Columbus. They've built a very nice training facility at the old site of Old Crew Stadium. Um, they've spent on players, Lucas Elrion, Cucho Hernandez, um, Cujo Hernandez coming this summer, I think, for an eight-figure transfer fee. I think he was slightly over 10 from memory serves. And you don't even qualify. And Tim Bezbachenko, the club president, important to remember, he was hired a few weeks after Caleb Porter was. So Porter was not his guy. And I just wonder if this is the end for Porter and Columbus. And, you know, just a very bizarre career. Two MLS Cups for him. But he's missed the playoffs in five of his nine seasons as a head coach in Portland and Columbus with some pretty talented teams for the most part. Um, So I'm curious to see what happens with him in Ohio. 
Yeah, for sure, Sam. Uh, let's let's uh, stay in the West, where we had uh, you know just a number of really really interesting results. Uh, Jeff mentioned that it's a little bit different field than we're used to seeing in this conference, with both Seattle and Kansas City uh, not making the playoffs. Uh, really not even close. They weren't even relevant on decision day. Yeah. Um, but we do have a very, very interesting LA Galaxy versus Nashville SC matchup coming up in the first round. One of these teams are going to play LAFC in the conference semifinals at Bank of California Stadium. What do you think about this matchup and which of these teams do you think would provide the best matchup for LAFC in the next round? I know that like it, it, it's going to be pretty hard to turn down an El Trafico in the playoffs, but <laughs> is there any reason we shouldn't want that right now, uh, Sam, as a, as a neutral? Well, I mean, as a neutral, no, I think you, I think you got to cheer for, for an El Trafico playoff game. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But in, in terms of a matchup, I mean, Nashville just went to bank of the California stadium today, Alex, just a few minutes ago and beat LAFC. Um, so I think they, they've proved you make an interesting point. <laughs> they can go toe to toe. Um, I, I, you know, so I think either way it would be a good game from a neutral perspective. Of course you want that LA versus LA matchup. Um, you know, and this is the kind of the weird thing about the West LAFC ended up winning the conference by 11 points. They ran away with it in the end. Um, which I think at a certain point, I can't remember when it was what, a month ago, whenever it was that Austin smashed them four to one in Texas and kind of took the lead by surprise. No one would have bet it on 11-point margin, I think, at that point. Um, but even with that pretty significant gap at the top, I'm not really so convinced by this LAFC team. Early in the season, of course, they did really well, but then had massive, massive changes in the summer. And they took a while to figure it out. I still don't think they fully have, really. And so I'm not going to, like, pencil them in as, like, okay, they're this unbeatable, overwhelming favorite. I think a lot of teams can take them out. As far as a Galaxy versus Nashville matchup, both tied on 50 points. Um, you know, very different teams in terms of how they like to play. Uh, both with some super informed attacker, attackers at the moment, Hani Mukhtar for Nashville, Golden Boot winner. And then Ricky Pouj for the Galaxy, who's been fantastic since he came in in the summer transfer window. So I think this will be a good one. You know, Nashville stereotypically kind of the sit back and counter team hasn't really been the case this year. Struggled a little bit down the stretch until the win at LAFC today. They'd, they'd lost and, and tied um, in, their, in their last three games entering that game. Um, but the Galaxy have been a little bit uneven as well. Um, and I'm not a huge believer in their team and what they have going on. So I don't really know how to call that one. Um, I like the matchup. Um, but you know, not, not super certain in my mind. Do you, do you have any different opinion on that? I, I mean, I, I don't know where that one's going and that's the sort of how I feel about this whole playoff field, but I don't know. I might just be a little jaded given my preseason predictions and how terribly, terribly wrong I was with basically all of them. Well, well, Sam, if you're, if you if you're wanting somebody that had more accurate, uh, preseason predictions to, to prognosticate here, we might have to go outside of the athletics entire orbit because I don't well, think any I of mean, us got anything right. I'm just saying, like, if you, if you put all the team names in front of my dog and, like, let him pick <laughs> ones at random, like, he probably would have had just as much success picking playoff teams as I did this year. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where it's going to go, but I, I don't know. In the East, I, something about Cincinnati is speaking to me right now. I don't know what it is, um, but those attackers are really clicking. Uh, Brenner, Vasquez, I believe the first duo in, in MLS history, first teammates to both have 18-plus goals in a single season. Lucho Acosta obviously starring uh, right behind them, pulling a lot of the strings, setting them up quite a bit. 
um, this year. I'm really curious to see what they do in their match at Red Bull um, four versus five matchup there in the West. I mean, I don't know. I, I like, I don't know, but I don't, I don't know anything, man. How's that for insight? <laughs> Uh, I like it a lot, and I think it's accurate because the West was so wide open for so much of the year with the exception of LAFC at the top. Uh, it's really going to be uh, – and as you said, LAFC is, is not it, – it's not as if they have no doubt whatsoever about them. They certainly haven't been completely at their best over the last, let's say, couple of months uh, run into the season. Uh, real quick, Sam, before we leave the West behind, let's talk a little bit more about the two teams that were in contention for the playoffs today that ended up missing out. Obviously, Jeff mentioned Portland a little bit. There's a lot going on in that organization, to say the very yeah, least. Yeah. Um, they will be on the on the hunt for a new general manager, one would presume. Uh, you know, they had really just a terrible result. They didn't look like they were in that game against RSL at all they at any like point. They wanted to be there. They, no. Yeah, it was it, it was bad for them. What are what are we sort of looking for for them going into 2023? Well, first, who's their owner going to be? Is that's a big one, yes. Um, I think that's the first thing that needs to be settled. You know, Alaska Airlines obviously diverted their sponsorship dollars uh, to the NWSL PA Players Fund, essentially. Um, I'm probably butchering that. My, my mind is all over the place right now. But they, they took money away from the club. Sponsors might fall. Other sponsors might follow in bailing them. And, and if that happens in a, a grand scale, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Paulson moved to sell one or both of the teams, which would obviously shape a huge part about this offseason. Technical director Ned Grabboy is the, is the person currently in charge of the sporting department. Um, you know, if we're going to just like stick to on-field stuff, I was shocked that Eric Williamson didn't play today. That was bizarre to me. Yeah, it was. Um, Gio Savarese has like seemingly never really been a big fan of his. Um, every time he plays, he does pretty well. But but Savarese, you know, he'll yank him in and out of the lineup. And I, I don't really get it. Do they look to do they look to keep him? I would imagine other teams will see what happened today with him sticking on the bench and probably make some calls and be like, hey, what would it take to get him? So that's that's one thing that they have to sort out. Um, you know, they didn't really have the pieces this year. It, it didn't work out. Um, they have some young signings that that they believe in. Santiago Moreno, I thought, had a good season. Um, but a lot of guys didn't really come through. And, and some of those stars are aging and didn't perform all that well this season or weren't that available this season. Um, so they have some huge questions to answer, but the first one starts with Merritt Paulson and his status. Uh, in terms of Vancouver, the other team that missed out today, I mean, uh, this is going to sound maybe a little bit harsh, um, but I never took them that seriously this season. Um, you know, they were in contention until the end, which surprised me. But I think their goal difference heading in today was, was minus 15 or something like that. And I think that kind of tells you a lot about this group. When they get, when they, when they lose, they, they tended to lose pretty big. Um, and, and I didn't think they were really ever a serious contender. Maybe they could sneak into the playoffs, but I didn't expect them to do anything if they arrived there. Um, and I think, you know, another club, they've started to spend a little bit more up there. Um, but another club that, that kind of needs to have a better idea, I think, of who they want to be if they really want to progress uh, from where they've been really throughout their entire MLS history. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. I think that's a reasonable uh, stance to take there, Sam. I want to shout out real quick in the comments. 
and I really apologize if I mispronounce your name. I believe it's Akut, uh, says, uh, so does MLS make the teams fighting for the playoffs play each other on decision day, or was this the biggest coincidence ever? I will say it was pretty amazing that pretty much every team that was right on the line uh, ended up playing each other in both conferences. Uh, you had Minnesota and Vancouver and Salt Lake and Portland all kind of on the bubble, all playing each other. And that carried over into the East as well, where you had Orlando and Columbus in sort of the first window of games today. Uh, Orlando winning that one two one. We talked a little bit about Columbus already, but let's go ahead and start going through the Eastern Conference. Uh, Orlando, as I mentioned, made it through. They will be playing uh, a CF Montreal, Club de Foot uh, Montreal, uh, the second seeded Club de Foot Montreal. Really excellent season for them, have to say, uh, yeah. from from beginning to end. Uh, what Nancy, do you what do you see? Yeah, Wilfred Nancy, not Phil Neville. Wilfred <laughs> Nancy, the coach of the year for me in MLS. I, I think that's uh, that's a perfectly reasonable nomination and a worthy winner, in my opinion. What do you think will be worth watching in this matchup between Montreal and Orlando City? Do you think Orlando City has any chance of doing the double here, because having won the U.S. Open Cup? Doing the double? Year? Winning MLS Cup? Yes. No. They're in the playoffs. <laughs> I don't. I don't think they have any chance. Okay. All right. Fine. Um, they were, I mean, they beat Columbus. They were not good in that game. Like whatsoever. No, they like they didn't show up at all in the first half. Um, and Columbus was kind of playing a control. They, they didn't really put the foot on the neck. Uh, I expect Montreal to, to win that game and to not have that difficult a time on it, to be honest with you. Um, I think they'll get through. I think Montreal, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here, but maybe Montreal all the way to MLS Cup. I like next? it. That'd be fun. Okay, I re- I reserve the right to to change my mind on that. You know, this is this is just a live podcast. I haven't made my official selections yet. I don't want to curse anyone. Nobody's holding you to any of this, Sam. It's okay. Uh, well, I know, mean, I think uh, I think you have I plenty of reasons for thinking that. Okay. I think you have plenty of good reasons for thinking that with how well uh, Georgi Mihailovic is playing, just how solid Montreal has been. I mean, they've been a good across the, whole, the board. Yeah, across throughout the, the whole season. Yeah. And, and, and just a really solid team, have clear ideas of how they want to play, done some dynamic contributions from some of their attackers. Alistair Johnston's been really good for them in defense. Kai Kamara having a big year. Still around, year. still scoring goals. Um, Gotta love Kai amazing, Kamara. Come on. Amazing. Um, so, yeah, it, pretty much every every place. On, Ismail Kone getting some good op- contributions from some of their younger homegrowns. Um, they're kind of ticking every box, and I believe we'll have a nice little feature on them on the athletic this week. Am I, am I speaking too soon there? No, no. You're, you're, whatever sources you have telling you that, which might be me uh, earlier this week, <laughs> uh, they're, they're right about that. Uh, we we okay. will have a feature on them so stay later tuned this week. For that one. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I like Montreal. Um, you know, NYCFC, it's been a weird season for them, uh, looking, looking kind of at the other side of that particular quadrant of the bracket. Um, Ronnie Dela left midseason, Tati Cassianos got loaned to Hirona midseason, and they, they kind of took a nosedive there for a while. I thought they were maybe the best team in MLS over the first few months of the year. Made a decent run in CCL, um, really played good stock, good soccer, a lot of young players, but but really kind of clicking a lot of attacking talent. They started to figure it out a little bit more after they won Campeones Cup, I think. Um, but I still have some real question marks about them. Um, and I, I like them over Miami, I think. Um, although, who knows with their home game situation, how that'll play out. 
Um, but I, I do like Montreal to advance past to the winner of that match for sure. Yeah, big big, big time air quotes around the home part of home game. NYCFC well, I mean, will be playing I, at least their first one uh, at at Red Bull Arena. You and I, as you yeah. as I think you're about to mention, yeah, you and I live in New York, and we only ever go to NYCFC games at Red Bull Arena anymore. Exactly. It seems like it's like a tradition. So so we I guess we have to be there for it against Inter Miami. Maybe Gonzalo Higuain's last match ever as a professional. Which Could be. Uh, spe- in some way. Speaking of Red Bull Arena, it's going to see a lot of action in the first round of the playoffs because <laughs> because Red Bull New York, uh, the actual home team at that stadium, will also be hosting a playoff game. They will be hosting FC Cincinnati. You mentioned, of course, FC Cincy's really, really potent attack. You know, they're they're playing well. They have a lot of ingredients that make you think they can make a run in the playoffs. And they are playing Red Bull New York. What have you seen from the Red Bulls uh, this year? Why should I mean, we? Why should we believe in them? I don't know. I, I, I don't <laughs> particularly believe in them that much. I know. Like, you don't. I, I mean, they finished fourth in the East. Credit to them. They were bad at home. It was very bizarre. Six, six, and five at home. Nine, five, and three on the road. Which I don't know. If we want to unpack that a little bit, Alex, maybe that's you know something that is just kind of uh, what's the word? Not indicative, but it makes sense maybe given their style and how they like to play. Pressing team don't want to have the ball, right? So when they're playing on the road, the other team wants to take control, have a little bit of possession, and maybe they put themselves in some trouble spots. Whereas on the road, if teams set up the bunker a little bit more, play on the back foot a little bit more, um, the Red Bulls have trouble with that. Um, So I'm curious to see how this will work. Uh, Red Bulls have had trouble producing goals consistently, particularly from striker at points this year. And Cincinnati, while they're somewhat of an attacking juggernaut, um, the back line is not great. Um, they've they've bled goals a lot this season. Um, so, I don't know. We could see some fireworks in this one. I think I like Cincinnati, though. They've improved a little bit in the back since Matt Miazga came on um, in the summer uh, as a center back. Of course, a former Red Bull homegrown, Matt Miazga. And these two played to a 1-1 draw at Red Bull Arena not too long ago. I think that was probably late August. Um, so So some recent data there. Um, I think I like Cincinnati to advance. I just really like the way their attackers are playing. Um, and I think they'll be able to exploit Red Bulls on a few occasions. Maybe when Red Bull get caught pressing a little bit too high um, and some of those defenders get a little bit isolated. Matt Kay is in the comments saying Philly is hoping SC Cincinnati does not beat Red Bull. Uh, I would assume that means that they think that that Matt thinks that uh, Cincy is going to be a more dangerous matchup for Philly than Red Bull will be. Do you think that's true? Do you think, do you think Cincy poses more of a threat to Philly than, than Red Bull would, should they make it? Um, yeah, and I, I say that without remembering the results between those two teams against <laughs> sure. Philly this year. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think Cincinnati, in a playoff type of setting, is, is a more dangerous opponent for basically anybody. Um, and, you know, I think from a neutral perspective, you want that Cincinnati-Philly matchup. You don't want a Red Bull-Philly game. Um, two pressing teams, um, you know, Philly added a lot to the, their style and how they play this year. Um, but that one would have the potential to devolve into a, a good old fashioned rock fight, which I don't think anyone really would, would enjoy from an aesthetic perspective. Necessarily. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, if I was Philly, I would be a lot more worried about if I'm a Philly fan, I'll be more worried about Cincinnati than Red Bull. 
Matt K coming through once again with uh, with the clutch, K, co- clutch clutch contribution. She, uh, he says a draw and a win for Cincy in those games. Between, there you between go. Those teams. Yeah, they had they had like a three one, didn't they? I think that's right. They win- scored a couple, and that yeah. was like the only game Philly lost for like eight months or something like that. So yes, um, and you know Pat Noonan, he kind of knows how the Union like to do it. So uh, right. maybe some insider knowledge there. Well, Sam, before we finish up here, I want to hit you with one sort of like completely, I don't know. Sure, whatever. I'm going to hold you to this. Give me a okay. percentage a percentage chance in each in each conference that the that the top seed makes it to MLS Cup starting percentage with the East. Chance. Yeah. What percentage chance does Philadelphia have of making MLS Cup out of this field in the East? I'm going to put Philly at a solid I mean, especially if Bedoya can can work his way back starting games i'm gonna put philly at a solid 75 percent Ooh, that's that's very high yeah yeah um and lafc looking at the bracket here i mean i said earlier in the show that you know a number of teams can take out lafc but i'm looking at the west and i don't really believe in anybody Um, (laughs) (laughs) so i'll give lafc i'll give them 60 just because they've been pretty mistake prone here over the second half or last third, whatever you want to call this, this later portion of the season when they've had some issues. Um, so I'll put them, actually, I'm going to even downgrade it. I'm going to put it at 50%. How about that? 50% sounds about right. And I think surprising considering uh, how, just how well LAFC was doing earlier this season, hey, all, the, all the big players you, that they had. You know what they say, if it ain't broke, then go ahead and completely rip it up and try and fix it. They literally do say Did I that. Get that right? Yeah, I get that they, right? they they literally do say that in in LAFC. Uh, CJ is saying in the comments that those percentages, I would assume both of them are high as and then stars, which is yeah. You know, well, you know what? Fill CJ, in your your favorite curse word. Like, there. You know what? You're probably right, but you know, <laughs> I'm not good at math. If I was good at math, you think I'd be think I'd be writing about soccer? No, I'd be doing numbers about soccer. But here we are. Well, we're thankful that you're writing about soccer here with us and talking about it right after Decision Day. We're going to close it here. This was meant to just be a short little run-through, and we have done that. So, Sam, I'm going to let you go. All of the listeners that uh, tuned in, added comments, uh, and read along for all of our coverage, uh, thank you for that. And stay tuned, because we have so much more to come on this week and all playoffs along. Uh, I'll talk to you later. I'm Alex Apnis, and uh, this was Soccer Everyday Live. (laughs) Maybe we'll do this again sometime soon. I don't know. Until then, talk to you later. Thanks so much to Sam and Jeff for joining me today. If you want more MLS playoffs coverage all week long, stay tuned to The Athletic. You can subscribe to your favorite team there. Subscribe to MLS. We'll have a guide to the matchups that are similar to what we just talked about on the show today. We'll have features. We'll have, obviously, up-to-date news when news happens with any of these playoff teams. Definitely stay tuned for The Athletic for all of that. Moving on to a TV guide for today before we go. All times are Eastern as usual. Three interesting games in the afternoon. One at 3 p.m. in the Premier League, Nottingham Forest and their 10 million new players taking on Aston Villa. That will be on USA Network. In La Liga, also at 3 p.m., Elche taking on Mallorca. That will be on ESPN Deportes. And in Serie A in Italy at 2.45 p.m., Fiorentina versus Lazio. That will be on Paramount+. Plus. The game of the day, though, as far as I'm concerned, that I really, really recommend you watch even if you don't know anything about this league or the teams in Argentina at 6 p.m. Racing Clubs versus Atletico Tucumán that will be on Paramount+. Plus. These are the two teams that are fighting for the title 
in the Argentine Primera División. Boca Juniors is currently on top of that particular race, but Atletico Tucumán has been in a really good position all year long, and Racing Club is right up there with them. So this is the number two and number three team in Argentina right now. We're getting towards the business end of the season. Tucumán right now has 44 points and Rossing has 41, so a Rossing win would pull them even with Tucumán on 44 points. However, that would give Boca Juniors a chance to pull ahead by about three or four points, depending on what the result is in their game. However, if Tucumán wins, obviously they would pull ahead of Boca Juniors and that would essentially become a two-horse title race from here on out. So there is a lot riding on this game. Definitely tune in if you can. And remember that I told you to when you did, if you weren't already planning to before that. This show is produced by Mike Zimmerman with help from John Hayes. You can get ad-free versions of the show by subscribing to The Athletic and listening in the app. Thank you so much for listening and happy soccer to you all.